Corporate Unplugged opens the door to a world of people transforming business. They share their dreams, their experiences, and what they would never give up. I'm so glad to have Yomi Abiola here with me. Uh, welcome to my podcast, Yomi. Thank you, Vesna. Thank you so much. Yomi Abiola is a media entrepreneur dedicated to supporting women in living their most power-filled lives. And at the core of her work is diversity, inclusion, and the advancement of women. And as an international speaker, Yomi has presented at Harvard, Yale, MIT, the United Nations, and TEDx. Uh, she's also an advisor to founders and leaders. Uh, she's supported several companies and organizations in scaling growth through retaining and advancing female talent. And as a change agent, she has founded the Femme League, which is a media platform, an incubator and community that provides a roadmap for female advancement for women globally. So Yomi, uh, I like what you wrote that um, true uh, power appreciates with time mm -hmm. and that your purpose is to support women in accessing that power. Yeah. That's just so grand. How do you um, live this? Well, um, before I share with you how I live it, I think, um, I mean, because it's a, it's a very moment, moment by moment, day by day practice, and it is a practice, I think it's um, important to reflect on how I came to it. So just being aware of, of media and advertising, there is uh, an over, I guess, um, you could call it an exoticization, but um, youth is worshipped, you know, mm. and, and, and I think as that pertains to women, it means that we don't get to appreciate the different seasons of our lives. Because as women, we go through very, very many seasons. And so, so many times we're in our prime season, but we're mourning the loss of our youth. And that doesn't help us to access and be aware of the power in the immediate moment. And this is something that uh, I became to realize during my time in the fashion industry uh, and seeing that, you know, when I was 15 years old, 16 years old, I was at my prime. And then by the time I was 21 years old, I was old and I needed to start lying about my age. But I, this, this, this way of being and this belief was counteracted by the fact that I was brought up by Nigerian parents. And in, in our culture, there's a great deal of reverence as people mature, as women mature. Our elders, we hold them in reverence. Mm -hmm. And so that knowledge is really what inspired me and um, helped me to counteract this youth obsession and know that we have different seasons as women and within that individual season there is an essence and a point of power that we can then access and obviously you can harvest the power from previous seasons as well but um, that's really what just ignited this knowledge, this way of being and also the, the desire to share this um, message with, with women everywhere. And as an advisor, what is it that you actually do to support companies in, in uh, you know, advancing this female talent? Mm -hmm. So um, in practical terms, you could call it, um, I guess a lot of people call it coaching. Mm -hmm. 
But what I do is um, is beyond coaching because it's a very bespoke way of working with individual leaders. Uh, a lot of people think that one size fits all, and I know that one size does not fit all. So I work with individuals and in terms of supporting them to really, again, access the fullness of their power. So it's not about something is broken, let's fix it. Mm -hmm. It's what can we create? You know, what's possible? Mm -hmm. And what I find in so many companies is that there are so many women who are underused um, and there are so many women who are not given the mandate to fulfill their potential. There's so many women that are, that are suffering from burnout because they can't set boundaries. There's so many women that... Um, that don't feel as though they can share what's going on in their personal life because they feel it as though it's going to compromise their professional life. Um, and so, therefore, they're not able to really fulfill their, their true capacity. And um, some of these uh, challenges, not all of them, can be handled very, very easily if we just have the tools, the skills, and also the space to be able to discuss them. So essentially, um, I go in and, um, and I advise, first and foremost, the CEO. I pinpoint the female leaders within a company, and I work with them over the course of many months uh, for them to be able to build their own toolbox to navigate the different challenges that they face uh, over the course of their careers. Mm -hmm. And how do you go about pinpointing these female, um, the female talent that they have in the company? Uh... Well, I often ask the CEOs who they think the leaders are, the emerging leaders and talent. And I think by virtue of having been around so many people, met so many people, and, and I have a diverse eye, you know, I'm, I'm you know, um, mm. a woman that has been exposed to so many cultures. I'm also able to see um, talent where, uh, where it's not obvious. Mm. You know, um, sometimes we think it's the loudest person in the room, or we think it's the most assertive person in the room, but um, sometimes we can find something that's even more precious in the person that doesn't actually speak that much, but listens extremely well, uh, processes very quickly, um, and thinks very critically. So I have basically cultivated the ability mm -hmm. to be able to, to see that. And that's obviously by having conversation with people and by spending time with them. Mm. And how would you define talent, actually? Well, I mean, yeah, that's, that's very, very vast. Um, and, and it depends on it depends on it's what you're doing. Yeah, it, yeah, it depends yeah. on the context and the company. Mm. You know, um, musical mm. talent. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know it mm. when you hear it. Um, mm. You mm. know, mm. Uh, it just it depends. Mm. But let's move back to you and and uh, and your passion. Or what what would you define as your passion? Actually, you know, something that you're that you're really not only interested in. You know, but that you're really kind of willing to sacrifice a lot for yeah i mean i'm i think that my purpose and my passion are really intertwined mm. and they're one and the same for me which is really the advancement of women and mm. it's not just about women i think it's holistically about the advancement of society as a whole because i i just know that unless women are in their full power mm -hmm. then we're not evolving as human beings we're not we're not you know fine technology is advancing medicine is advancing but we as human beings mm -hmm. we are not advancing 
um, at our fullest and highest capacity. And we just have to look at the world. And I think that's a great indicator of where we are as human beings. Mm. And I really believe that the key to this is women standing in the fullness of their power so that we can actually, in partnership, evolve as human beings. This is not uh, going to be like a, a male or female, one sex, or it's, that, that it's not, this is not about the, the genders. This is about um, co-creation and co-evolution. And do you have something that you would define as, uh, you know, your dream? If this would happen, I would be really happy. Well, I mean, you know, I, I think first and foremost, I would, I would love to live in a world where we were able to celebrate um, our differences and our individuality and see that as a contribution mm. as opposed to see that as a threat. I would love to live in a world where, you know, racism and inequality doesn't exist. I mean, all of the things, if, if people think about it, I, I believe deep down, I mean, I mean, at least I hope, maybe I, I'm naive, that all people want that. Mm. All people want to live um, in, a, in a world where we can, where we can truly flourish. Not because, not the falsehood of flourishing, because one person is oppressed and another person is seemingly not oppressed. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a world where we can truly flourish mm. um, and, and, and express our individual, individuality and our individual gifts. Mm. And um, you live now mostly in uh, New York. I live between New York, Stockholm and London. And London. If I'm being perfectly plain. <laughs> so that means I'm in airports a lot. <laughs> yes. What, but what turning points in your life have influenced you the most, actually? Mm -hmm. um, I've had so many. I, I think, well, I mean, I think one, one of the most important um, turning points for me was uh, moving to New York. You know, I, 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 was, um, I spent a lot of my life as a, as a model. And um, moving to New York and finding out that I was a woman of color. So I, I essentially I was told that, you know, that I, I was great and I had all the credentials and I, you know, ticked all the boxes, um, but that I wasn't going to be able to fulfill my, my dreams and my aspirations because, because I was black. And I just thought that was just so preposterous. Um, How many years was this? This was 10 years ago. Well, mm. let me think. Yeah, it was mm. 10 years ago. Mm. And I think it was, it was a turning point for me because I think that whenever we're challenged or whenever, you know, you spoke about dreams earlier, whenever our dreams are challenged, it's a time of revelation. You get to know who you really are. And uh, I was just thinking about it very recently that it was an important chapter in my life, but it wasn't my purpose. You know, it wasn't my purpose to be in an industry or a business where I couldn't tell the truth. I couldn't use my voice. You know, my voice wasn't relevant or um, welcomed. It's just not, it's, that's not me standing in the fullness of my power. Mm. 
mm. based on who I am, you know, in, in this lifetime. Mm. So, but I mean, but it, it's taken me a very long time to be able to say, you know, that wasn't my purpose. It was a chapter in my life, but it wasn't my purpose. Mm. And now in um, doing the, the work that I'm doing with women, where I've been able to gather all of the knowledge and the wisdom that, that I acquired in that world and through those experiences and now use it in a different context and also um, use my voice, you know, use my wisdom, touch people, inspire people, move people and to the best of my ability, tell the truth. It feels more aligned with, with what I'm actually here to do. So um, even though it was a difficult lesson, I think it was a very important turning point for me and, and in my, just in my evolution. And then at a certain point in time, you decided to become a journalist mm -hmm, and, and mm -hmm. kind of develop uh, and uh, kind of broaden your toolbox in order yeah. to make an impact. Yeah, I mean, and I went to journalism school in some ways out of desperation mm -hmm. because I just like, I just felt like, um, you know, as I said, I, I couldn't ask questions to, to the powers that be um, being a model. Mm. You know, it's very interesting now that like, I even just when I, I speak to people like, because obviously I have to account for 10 years of, of my life on my resume. <laughs> and it's just interesting when you tell people that that's what you've done. It's interesting that you somehow get judged for it. You know, or you turn up somewhere and people expect you to look a certain way. Or uh -huh. So it's, it's just, it's interesting because it's, uh, you know, I, I think about the different, um, I think about power a lot and I think about power and women. And I think about how power is measured in women. And image and beauty is very, very high. Mm. That's, that's how traditionally for a very long time, that's how we measure whether a woman is powerful or not, by mm. how beautiful she is. Mm. And so, you know, to, to relinquish that title of power, it might not be the experience because there were many experiences I had of feeling powerless, right? Even though it's meant to be, you're a model, so like that's meant to be really powerful. And um, there are many, many experiences of powerlessness that, that you know, that, that I had. But um, to relinquish that and to walk away from that in search of the unknown was, was, a, was a pretty big deal. <laughs> Yeah, it was a pretty big deal. Did you have somebody at that point in your life to kind of support you in at least saying you're on the right path, go for it? Or was it more coming from the inside? It came from the inside, you know. Mm. It, came from, um, it came from chasing ghosts, mm. you know. It came from waiting to be picked and not being picked. It came from conforming myself to be a standard that I would never be. It came from, from seeking approval from people who really were, nobody's, nobody's qualified to, to approve of you or to tell you that, you know, you're the one. Mm. Like, you can only do that for yourself. So, mm. so it came from a lot of discomfort, actually. Mm. A lot of discomfort um, and a lot of powerlessness. Mm. Ironically, yeah, that's where it came from. Mm. And do you feel that companies in the fashion industry are inclined to get in touch with you because you have that background in order to help them resolve mm -hmm. these things? Mm -hmm. Or has that not happened? 
No, I mean, initially, um, when I first started advising companies, of course, naturally, I gravitated towards fashion companies. And um, their bottom line is not impacted by whether they are socially aware or not, at least not yet, mm. at least not yet. Mm. Well, at least they're not aware of it. And so there's no reason for them to change. They don't really, I mean, they might do it for PR purposes, mm -hmm. but, the, but not because they, they really want to evolve mm -hmm. or change. They don't mm -hmm. really see any sort of um, value yeah. mm -hmm. in that for them. So the answer is no, <laughs> which is which is obvious, and which is how I also knew that I was not in the in the place where I could fully express myself. You know, when I when I'm working with companies um, mm. now, and you and I have spoken about this earlier, you really want to work with people who are ready. Mm. You know, people who um, who are up to and for the task. Mm. Uh, so when I work with companies now, they come and they're like, we really want to grow. We're ready to put the work in. We're ready to make the investment. Can you do it? And I'm like, absolutely. Mm. Mm. If we talk about business and companies in general uh, that you've experienced so far, do you see what you would call a long-term solution that you believe in? And how would you define that? Well, hmm, very interesting question. I think, you know, Sometimes when we, when we think about long-term solutions, we, I think that often we think in terms of something we can put in place that we then don't have to attend to again. And, you know, we're human beings. You know, human beings are made up of, uh, um, companies are made up of human beings. So that means that people always need to be attended to. And um, one of the things that I think is just so important for companies that want to grow, for them to be aware of and for them to commit to is the investment in, in, in the people that are working within the company. You have to invest in people. You have to show them that you care. You have to, um, um, it's in Maslow's uh, hierarchy of needs, evolution is a human need. Mm. People need to evolve. So you can't have a workforce of women that are not evolving because you just want them to like, you know, push the keyboard on their laptop. Like we just don't live in those times anymore. People are not going to stick around for that. Mm -hmm. So the long-term solution is to be committed long-term to the investment, advancement and growth of women. Mm. You know, because then we raise the bottom line. Mm. Mm. We raise the bottom line and then we can start to create from what's possible as opposed to creating from deficit. And right now we are creating from deficit because you have a, a huge amount of the workforce that's not, uh, that doesn't have the mandate um, that they need in order to really carry out mm -hmm. their, their, um, their professions to, to their highest ability. And also I discover when in different companies that this need of, of, you know, seeing the individual, to see all the employees mm -hmm. uh, and to understand what do they need in terms of evolution <laughs> is really uh, key. And very seldom, actually, do I see more than just, you know, words around it. Mm -hmm. But in, in practice, yeah. they don't really show that or maybe mm -hmm. they do it 
a couple of times a year during a conference or in, exactly. before performance reviews or exactly. whatever. But in the daily life, there is not this spontaneous, ever-present kind of question of how to kind of understand the blueprint of people that they yeah. have on board. Yeah, um, and it takes something. You know, it takes yeah. a lot of work. It takes a lot of investment. And 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 yeah. I think that we we have to be real mm. about what it takes. But. Mm. At the end of the day, you 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 must you have to invest mm. in people, mm. and you must invest in the people that traditionally have not been invested in. Mm. And who is that? Mm. If you would assume that you would have uh, you know all resources available and all doors are open for you, uh, what would you then innovate or, or change? Well, what would I transform? <laughs> <laughs> um, really great question. Oh, I mean. I think you know we live in the United States, so there are so many uh, institutions and governmental arms that that I would just transform. You know, when you start to look at prison reform in the United States, um, it's shocking. It's frightening to know that. Um, that in this day and age, you know, we're meant to be civilized. <laughs> what, what a word. We're meant to be civilized and human beings treat each other in such a barbaric fashion. Mm. I mean, so many things. I mean, it could be um, maternal, the maternal mortality rates, like the amount of women that die from childbirth. Um, and this is not just, this is not in the United States. I'm talking about, I'm talking right. about in general. Mm -hmm. But also, actually, you know, I would do like so much more research and innovation around women and pregnancy. The, the amount of horror stories that I hear around, you know, what, what happens to women after pregnancy. And um, they're told by, by doctors that, yeah, that's just the way it is. And I just don't feel like that's a satisfactory response anymore. Mm -hmm. Especially if we're like, you know, planning to just go and visit the moon as though we're taking a plane to go to the next city. It's like, I, I think that there's so many issues around women that need greater research. And, and I wonder why it hasn't already happened, you know? And, and I, I don't want to be cynical around it, but they're like, one, one of my friends said this to me yesterday and I thought it was just mesmerizing. It seems really obvious every single person has been inside a woman's body. Yeah. I mean, yeah. if, wow. Yeah. And there isn't innovation around that. There aren't more resources and uh, how, how can we make the process less harrowing for some women? There's so much, Vesna. <laughs> <laughs> There's so much. Mm. But if we think about Leaders, how would you actually define leaders? A gentleman by the name of Robert Greenleaf um, mm. talks about servant leadership. Mm -hmm. So really mm. how we serve people, the mm. knowledge that you know, we might feel as though or think that we're here for ourselves, but we're actually here for others. Mm. How do we leave people better than when we met them? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good... Uh, yeah starting point. But if you um, would give, let's say, a piece of advice to these 
leaders then. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, is there anything in specific that you would like to bring up? Yeah, uh, one of my, um, my favorite teachers said to me that you teach what you need to learn. Mm. You know, and um, being a leader is not a fixed position. Mm. It's fluid. And as you lead, you also follow. And you're also in service. So mm. I think so many leaders are like, oh, you know, I'm the leader. <laughs> Follow me. And, and that's not what it's about. That's not what it's about. Um, it's really about the ability to not only teach, but to also learn. I think it's also important to be humble and truthful about what we don't know. There's so much that we don't know. And it's okay not to know. It's okay not to know, you know, but you can definitely find out. So I, I think um, leadership that has a lot more humility, a lot more compassion and a lot more service. Is there any uh, example of a good leader that you'd like to bring out? Not because, you know, people should be role models, but still it's nice to be inspired. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> you know, I just, I, I, you know, it's, I think that's so mm. challenging. Mm. I think that's so challenging. You know, for anybody you lift, you know, there are pros and cons because we're human beings on this journey and, and we're, mm. you know, some of us, most of us, I, I hope, are doing the best that we possibly can. Mm. I wonder if we can find another, like, maybe we can find another word for leader. Yeah. Mm. Maybe we can, mm. because, you know, I, I, pedal stalling is problematic. Mm. Yeah, that's true. And also the power of the followers, if we call people and we are in, all yeah. included in that, yeah. is also incredibly important, because if you don't have the followers, nothing will eventually happen. Right? Absolutely. There is no power in, in, in uh, there will be just a, a little shell. Yeah. yeah. Mm. But, and, and it's interesting because, um, you know, in a lot of the the learnings, the teachings that I received around leadership is that mm. there also has to be integrity in place. Mm. So it's not do what I say and not as I mm. do. But we're living in a world where, um, where we're actually seeing that, that people are able to seemingly lead mm. and, and have no integrity. Yeah, that's, um, I've seen, I see that pretty often, unfortunately. Um, I try at least to uh, inspire everybody I meet professionally to think about why are they doing what they're doing, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And not in order to question something, but rather just have that question very, uh, you know, on top of their minds all the time. As you say, nothing is, everything is fluid, everything mm -hmm. is changing, and they need to be aware of what is it that they want to resolve or potentially change or, in, or improve, or just find a solution to, mm -hmm. and then kind of... Um, be more of a, of a team spirit around that rather than saying I'm the leader and, yeah, and absolutely. you're the ones who are going to do it. Yeah, we have to have something that's bigger than ourselves. We have exactly. to have something that's exactly. bigger than the individual exactly. because that's, it's not enough. Mm. Mm. But uh, in terms of giving advice, I mean, we were, what about giving advice to yourself? Let's say no, 10 that's, or that's, whatever, that's 15 years ago that's or so. real. <laughs> what, what would it be if you I, would? I, I, have like, I have a lot of talks with myself. I have a lot of talks with myself. I do. I enjoy, I enjoy my talks with myself. Um, well, I think like my advice to myself five years ago, I think is still the same advice um, mm. that I give to myself now, which is 
even though like even even though I'm in service, I have to first and foremost be in service to myself. So I I have to take care of myself and you know there's a concept of especially as a woman giving from the overflow. Yeah. Okay, like so I, 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 it's, it's essential and it's important. Mm-hmm. And for some people, they can work or operate within, uh, with a life where there are discrepancies. So they talk about doing things, but they don't do them. And I'm just not one of those people. Mm-hmm. So whatever it is that I advise, I must first be doing it for myself. Mm-hmm. And that's what I say to all of the people that I work with. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't advise you to do something that I haven't done mm-hmm. myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so my advice to myself would be take your own advice <laughs> five years ago and this morning <laughs> yeah and um, mm. and also you know one of my uh, favorite teachers always says do what you know to do so they're just there's certain things you, you know what to do so do it mm-hmm. as opposed to like looking for something that's outside of yourself mm-hmm. And what? Uh, who is that uh, favorite teacher? Oh yours? yeah, I have many favorite teachers, <laughs> but this um, one teacher is a teacher called Ianla Van Zandt. Yeah, mm-hmm. and she has a, a spiritual institute that I attended in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, called Inner Visions Institute for Spiritual Development. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when you have, uh, as everyone has, uh, you know, one of those days when you feel a little bit down or, or lost or kind of, you know, without energy or so, do you have any thing that you think or do that, that helps yeah. you? Yeah, I mean, so I pray every day, I meditate mm. most days, but, or I should say and, I let myself feel my feelings, mm. I do, um, I let myself feel my feelings and and really find out what wisdom they have for me in any given moment. Mm. I think it, it's, it's so easy to, to try and escape or numb or run away. And there's an opportunity missed by doing that. Mm. Uh, of course, I write. I write for Vogue Italia. Mm-hmm. And um, more about the social aspect of the industry. But the, the writings that I'm doing now are really about the advancement of women and behavioral changes mm. that, um, and linguistic changes as well that would support women in, um, in advancing mm. in society. Mm. I'm curious about this linguistic uh, yeah. part. What, just uh, if you have some examples. I do, I do have <laughs> examples. So one of the things that um, I was um, speaking to another woman today, like I've been doing a lot of uh, research on, um, on women and maternal health. Mm-hmm. So if a woman is over, has multiple pregnancies, for example, or is over the age of 35 and becomes pregnant, they call her pregnancy high risk. They tell her that she's at risk. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I understand that people think that it's very matter-of-fact language. But what, if I said to you, you're high-risk, Vesna, how does that make you feel? Mm-hmm. It's well, a question. Anxious, uh, fearful. Anxious, fearful, you know. Yeah, but the, I'm just going to, yeah. There's, yeah. So, there's yeah. so much language like this that's yeah. used around women. Yeah. Even if you, just, if you, just have to, you just have to pick up a magazine and think about, like, the first thing that they describe, you know, her age whether her hair's blowing in the wind, what she's wearing. It's, mm. and, and these are the things that, 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 that we identify with, and they mm. also shape 
the reality of the world that we live in. Mm. And, and I believe and I know that we have to be a lot more conscious around it. Even mm. I, I find it challenging and I know that it's been used so much. The term empowerment, the empowerment, I'm, we're going to go and empower her. You know, I never hear people talking about the empowerment of men, even mm. though I think it could be very needed. Mm. But we talk about the empowerment of women. Mm. But, but I, I, can't, I, I can't give you your power. Mm. Like you already have your power. Mm. It's power, you can unveil it, you can access it, you can utilize it. Mm. And that's why I speak about power in terms of, mm. you know, women being power filled. You're, you know, you're filled with power mm. as opposed to something that you go and, and try and get somewhere. Mm. Like let's, you know, let's go to the bar and have like a drink of empowerment. Mm. I know that's not how it's meant, but that's how it, that has, mm. that's now how it's used. Mm. Um, and so I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm really conscious about language and how we use our language, uh, mm. because I think that that for us as women, it's also the key to us actually being able to pinpoint mm. what it is that we need, mm. what it is that we that we desire, and actually mm. um, being able to have our needs met. So that's also one way of you influencing, trying to change yeah, the vocabulary. And that's why I the guess media, also within the companies yeah, that where you work, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Mm. I had a, a CEO mm. that I was working with. I tell this story often because it's very stark for me. Mm. And he was talking to me about the leaders, and he's like, "The girls, the girls, the girls." And I was like, "Oh, okay." I'm like, I'm like "Hold on a second. I'm like, "How old are these girls?" He's like, "29, 31." And I'm like, "Well, there's there's a women. They're not girls." Mm. But you know what sort of what what happens for him mentally when he's referring to his employees as girls? Yeah, yeah. You know, and 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 I understand some of it is mm. is 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 very unconscious, but it has an impact, mm. and I'm only really concerned about the impact. Mm. I'm only concerned about the impact. So, is there anything you want to add in terms of you know what is the kind of most important thing that? Uh, that companies need to focus on right now? The advancement of women. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the advancement mm. of women. And mm. like, you know, this is not, I'm not standing on a soapbox. I'm just saying that if you mm. want to be relevant, if you want to grow, if you want to retain um, the best talent, whatever that means for, for your industry within the company, mm. you must advance women. Mm. Mm. You must. There's a whole access to development and growth that's being missed mm. when you don't um, have those voices mm. at the table. We, we know where the thinking that we've had for the past, I don't know, 100 years, we know where it's gotten us. Mm. We just, like, we know, we can see. So how about we, we hear some other voices? How about we receive some other input? How about we act on other suggestions mm. and see where that takes us? And uh, is there any particular advice you would like to give to uh, women who are, in terms of diversity, I was thinking, that are maybe 40, 50, 60 and so on, that wants to transition into something else, some other role or whatever, and they don't because, well, either they're too fearful for some reason or... No, they the, na might, the narrative has made them fearful. Yeah, yeah. 
So, so what what should they do, and what should companies do in order to ensure that kind of diversity as well, mm-hmm, so that mm-hmm. we're not only looking for, you know, digital natives, everybody mm-hmm. who's between 20 and 40 mm-hmm. you know, are in, and everybody else is kind of, you know, trying to hang in there somehow. Mm-hmm. That's the feeling uh, that you easily can get. Yeah, of course. And I think, <clears throat> you know, we spoke about seasons earlier. Mm. You have to be able to identify the wisdom of your season. You know, so like everybody has like a time and you might not be a digital native, but what is the, the gift and the wisdom that you have because of the, the life journey that you've walked? Mm. I think it's very important for those women to identify that, to articulate it, to put it into language and to put that forward as, as valuable. Mm. So, you know, the work starts with ourselves. Mm. But if we are all trying to pretend to be digital natives when we're not, then you also miss the wisdom and the gift of your life experience and your mm. current season. So I think that first and foremost, to, to first put into language the experience that you have and the unique contribution that you have, mm. that, that you can't buy, mm. that you, know, you can't get if you're a, a digital native because you haven't been on, on this planet for, for that many years. Mm. So first, we, we, you know, we have to see value in that. We have to see value in our own experiences. Mm. Do you know of any companies or organizations that are very good, actually, at mixing uh, in terms of diversity? Mix, That's mixing, a very good question. Mixing all kinds of... Because there's so much to learn. I, yeah. I, I love to you know, find lots of inspiration in, in, of course, other cultures, especially those east yeah. <laughs> of here, where they very much actually respect, I would say, and appreciate the wisdom and mm-hmm. the, the experience that people have rather than looking at the the kind of age sections. I think that the US and also this area of Sweden, Nordics and so on is very mm-hmm. much into uh, importance of age. Mm-hmm. Even if you, you know, read an article in a, in a newspaper, wherever, immediately it's going to say, yo, me, abiola, mm-hmm. age, mm-hmm. <laughs> as if that is... Yeah, important. I know. I mean, you need to, you know. It's just how it's all been framed, you know, mm. and, and we've become used to that. But thinking about companies, I have to, I have to, um, I have to get back to you on that because that's very, like, that's very, very important. Not just like, you know, um, cultural diversity, but mm. also diversity in age, diversity in gender, di- Perspectives, yeah. perspectives, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That that's that's really interesting, mm-hmm. um, and and I have to I have to look mm-hmm. into that because mm-hmm. I would love to know who's doing that well. Mm-hmm. There, there is a woman that I interviewed some time ago uh, on the pod, uh, Sofia Falk. Yeah, that is very much working also mm-hmm. with this with this aspect uh, that I think would be very interesting for you to meet. And just to kind of you know finish up on a, on a really uh, global level, what do you think the world needs the most at this time? Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> no, that's so. That's really. That's real. What does the world need? I don't know if I'm allowed to say that on this pod, but um, I think um, more female leaders. Because with that, we would have more. Because with that, we can start to focus on advancing humanity. Mm. This, like, this tension, this uh, battle that's going on, we, it, needs to, it needs to end so that we can focus on the, the real work mm. that we're here to do. 
And, and when you say battle, I mean, we're brought up in a situation where we always think that the battle is between two forces or mm -hmm, something mm -hmm, like that. Mm -hmm. how, how, how would you define this battle? It's a very good question. Right now, it feels like the battle to exist. Mm -hmm. Even just like on, on an individual human level. Mm -hmm. That's what it feels like. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's the battle of... Um, Hmm. Of sameness. Mm. Yeah, that's a good uh, yeah, actually of word for this. Mm -hmm. And just a curious final little uh, question. Uh, it's it's an important word, but what does it mean for you, happiness? Mm, so uh, you know, I don't know if I believe in happiness. Okay. But I believe in fulfillment. Mm. Because. And, 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 you know, I think happiness is like very interesting. I think it's a very Western concept as well. Mm -hmm. And I often meet people, as I said to you, that, um, well, my, my, uh, my ancestry and my lineage is from Nigeria. And I, and I often meet people who seemingly have nothing to be happy about, you know, on a material level, but they're mm -hmm. filled with joy mm -hmm. and they're able to find moments of joy in their lives. Mm -hmm. And even when things are going south, <laughs> life is looking bleak, mm. there are moments of joy mm. in that. So for me, I, I'm not striving for happiness, but I am living to be fulfilled. Mm. And that's in my purpose. Mm. And, I, and I think that that's why, as you asked me, uh, when we started that, that's why my purpose and my passion live in the same place. Mm -hmm. So Yomi, how was it to be on the pod? Um, it was very reflective. I think, I think what's um, so interesting about speaking to you is that there's um, a level of comfort and um, disarming that happens. So I, I kind of felt that we were like in your home and <laughs> that we'd known each other for a while. Yeah, it, it was great. And I think it was also um, an experience and an opportunity to sort through my thoughts. Mm. I think a lot. So you gave me the opportunity <laughs> to think out loud. So thank you. Okay, thank you, uh, Yomi. And thank you so much for sharing everything. And um, to find out more about Yomi and her work, you can head to yomiabiolaspeaking.com uh, and also on Twitter at yomiabiola, Instagram uh, at the Femme League and also of course you can watch her TED, TEDx talk that I found was just uh, fantastic. And uh, also I'd like to ask all of you listening to uh, share this episode so that we can uh, bring out more impact. Thank you so much for listening and until next time, live with purpose and remember to unplug. Ciao. Ciao. <laughs>